Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. It's Tuesday. That means time for Digital Natives here on Classic Business, uh, where we uh, discuss the latest advancements in tech and uh, its impact on our world. And speaking to CEOs this earnings season, one word is cropping up more than any other. Well, it's two words, actually, but it's one word if you just look at the uh, abbreviation of AI, artificial intelligence. And the question is, how can companies make use of this technology, of large language models in particular, to extract value or competitive advantage? To discuss this, I'm joined now by Johan Stein, a proponent of human-centered AI. Johan, welcome. You recently penned an article in Business Day on the topic, so looking forward to chat. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here with you. And in that piece, it was entitled Large Language Models, the Key to Unlocking Corporate Data. You wrote that the latest AI tools can transform how internal data is accessed and then presented. Can you just elaborate firstly on some of the the challenges that big businesses face when it comes to accessing and then utilizing internal data spread across multiple systems in very often very siloed, fragmented systems? Michael, you've just um, actually explained what I think almost every large business is struggling with, especially in our um, market that I'm dealing with. Um, a lot of legacy systems, a lot of, or even, and it's not even technological, it's often just cultural siloed problems. The power of these models is incredible, but the synergy you need in your data, being able to use it, is quite an exercise for organizations. Now, now we're talking about large language models, we're talking about generative AI, but I find that most of our large corporates are not even scratching the surface with, if I may call it, normal AI, just the normal use cases. So the data and the synergy and the, and the quality of the data is at the root of all of this, and people and companies are really struggling with it. And if you look at it, you had a very interesting case study with uh, the client's HR department, really illustrating the complexities of accessing information for something as straightforward as a paternity leave application, for example. Could you just uh, dive a little bit deeper into how these information silos impact employee productivity and efficiency inside organizations? Yeah, Michael, it's, it's, I think it's such a good point. If you think of the amount of time we spend in large corporates to access data on various platforms, um, and, and because this is all about efficiency and time saving and effectiveness. And the use case I, I spoke about, uh, one that I did with a client, is to apply for paternity leave. And then you typically will look at various systems. What does the labor law say? What does the company's uh, policy say? When can I take um, annual leave? And if I don't take annual leave, how much annual leave will I have left when I go on paternity leave? Uh, am I booked to any projects and so forth? So you most likely will, I think for most inquiries you do, you have to access six or seven different systems in the organizations and it's not user friendly. So now you're spending three or four hours. Where large language models are taking us, in my view, is from questions to answers. For instance, in Microsoft Bing, underscored by OpenAI's uh, GPT-4, um, and other browsers are busy coming online with this, is I always say when you when you Google something, you're not getting an answer, you're getting homework. You're getting the most probable links very accurately. You still have to access the link. Mm. I just want an answer. So I want to have a system in my in organization where I ask a question with a prompt, 
I just want the answer. Don't give me 50 systems to go to. And that comes back to the beginning of our conversation, the, the problem of the siloed organization, the siloed data. The, the bottom line of this technology is to make it easy for employees internally to access data. But imagine the potential when you deal with clients in a contact center or face-to-face and the AI and the large language models help you with the answers rather than with a host of data to work through and not really be able to help your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So we've gone from the age of the uh, internet and web browsers effectively being a filter and giving you uh, then things to sift and sort through to something that's going to give you the answer once it's uh, done all the sifting and filtering and then processing. And I think that's really the transformative nature of large language models. How do these models like ChatGPT and Google's BARD effectively address this issue of information fragmentation and accessibility? Um, I mean, without going into too much of of the technicals, I still found the uh, find the technology uh, absolutely incredible when you start looking underneath the hood. Yeah, it is incredible, Michael. But in the year lies the problem. These models use what is out there on the Internet, trillions of terabytes of data. And anyone who's been on the Internet will know that there is more nonsense and false falsehoods than truth. And, and the way to guard against it is to be a critical thinker and to use common sense. You can't just take what these models give you and copy and paste it and use it as an expert in your field. You might be a legal professional or an HR professional. You still have to take the lens of your experience and apply it to it. Now, maybe from a corporate point of view, uh, and where a lot of my customers are at the moment, is to build an internal large language model. Because the challenge with something like ChatGPT is once you do that prompt or once you import a spreadsheet, you don't know where that data is going. It's from a privacy point of view and so forth. So if it's a ring-fenced internal system and your data is mature enough and it can access all the relevant documents, the answers it can give you on your query is is incredible. Perhaps one of the best use cases at the moment is our legal firms who are going through discovery, preparing for a case. They need to go through hundreds of thousands of documents. And these models can really help them do what your typical junior intern level 20-person team used to do. Uh, essentially, that's how it works. It's it's the, this massive set of data you give it that should be mature and not siloed, as we've said, and it should be able to extract from that data. And the challenge for organizations is to not only make sure your data is accurate and mature, but it's accessible for these models. So I would say if, if building a large language model is a 100% initiative, about 80 to 90% is preparing your data for it before you even look at implementing this kind of technology. Oh, and you know, when we talk about data, I think many will be familiar with the terms unstructured and structured data. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary to have a much more structured, cleaned, um, hygienic data pool than just to let one of these large language models free through through all of your data, unstructured and structured? Yeah, you are absolutely right, uh, Michael. Unstructured is obviously things like uh, documents that were scanned, um, audio files and the like. Uh, it's not digitized. There's a lot of great technology to digitize, to extract from documents, to, to extract from audio files. But if the data is not structured, um, it is 
quite impossible for these models to do what you want it to do. So that's again, that's why it's an 80% process. Get your data mature, access the right data ethically and, and legally, and make sure that it's digitized and structured before you even can look at embarking on this journey. Right. Um, could you provide some insights into how businesses can then sit down and identify at a board level specific areas within their organizations where an LLM integration would yield the most significant benefits in terms of things like information retrieval and decision making and that kind of thing? Because I think often with these projects, you want to start with the most obvious kind of low hanging fruit. And then once you've, you've proved that you can, you can make it work there, then you can go and, and look for more innovative ways to use the technology. Absolutely. What, what I challenge my clients with often board level uh, people, forget about the tech. What are you trying to achieve? Forget about AI, LLMs, ChatGPT, because people are almost starry-eyed about it. And, and a big problem that I see these days is that board-level execs are mandating their teams to AI things. That often doesn't make sense. Mm. So what what is the end goal? So in a contact center environment, the end goal could be that when a client answers a question, my ability to predict what they might need based on their data at the moment of accepting the call and the ability to give them answers quickly, which is what large language models can do, that is the end goal. Then after establishing the end goal, you walk back and look at is it technology? Because sometimes it is not technology, it's culture, leadership, ways of working. So so what I normally do in, in meetings, I ask my audience to agree on for the next hour, no one is allowed to speak about AI, machine learning, cloud, IoT, large language models. Let's talk about your business problem. So that would be my advice, Michael. Forget the tech. What would be the ideal situation for certain areas in your business, especially client-facing? And then walk back because there's a good chance that you already have the technology you need you're just not utilizing it at the, it at the yeah. moment. Yeah, it's a really good engineering principle that start with the problem yeah. and then reverse engineer back uh, from there. Yes. Johan Stein, thank you very much. One of South Africa's thank leading you. voices on AI, artificial intelligence, talking about large language models, but effectively how businesses and how boards of executives should think about technology when it comes to problem solving in this week's Digital Natives right here on Classic Business. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.